for Tuesday, June 8th, 2021, this is Did You Wash Your Hands? or a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, helping other countries fight the coronavirus will ultimately help the U.S. There are many, many reasons why we should be helping others, not just because it's a good thing or a right thing to do. I really think that that is the way to get out of this pandemic. Julie Rosenberg, who helps run the Global Health Delivery Project at Harvard University, joins me for a look at the global state of the pandemic and what America and what the U.S. is doing to help. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. While the U.S. works to get as many people vaccinated against COVID-19 as possible, some countries don't even have doses to administer. That could mean a prolonged pandemic for everyone, says Julie Rosenberg with the Global Health Delivery Project at Harvard University. She's with me now to discuss the global state of the pandemic and what the U.S. is and should be doing to help. Julie, thanks for talking with me. Oh, it's great to be here. At this point in time in the pandemic, especially for more and more people in the United States, it really does seem like we're entering a different phase. More and more people are getting vaccinated, and that's changed the way a lot of folks are actually conducting their personal lives. So how does that compare to the way things are around the world? Because what's happening here in the U.S. is is certainly not the ground truth for lots of other parts of the world. Yeah, what is happening in the U.S. is really different from what's happening in other parts of the world. You know, I think vaccination has given us access to hope. It's given us protection. It's allowed us to start reopening and enjoying life again. And in many parts of the world, they're not getting access to vaccines. In Africa, there are about two doses per 100 people. Many countries there haven't even started vaccinating. So they're experiencing a very different reality right now than what we're seeing here. Listeners may have heard about a very large recent spike in India. You brought up Africa. Is there African countries who are seeing cases spike there as well? Yeah, there are a number of countries in Africa that are experiencing what many think is a third wave um, across the continent. There's devastation in so many parts of the world that it can almost be overwhelming to think about and to talk about, especially in the midst of trying to restart our own lives. But 
there are 12,000 um, people dying every day from the pandemic. And in many places, nothing has changed since the start besides the number of deaths going up and up. So it's, it's a very grim situation in places where there is an access to care, to vaccination, and people are watching their family members fall sick and die. Are there any particular parts of the world that you kind of have your eye on? We've talked a little bit about Africa, but where else is the situation pretty dire? I would say in most places that are resource limited, in most places that are poor, they're experiencing this pandemic very differently. So, you know, and because it's airborne, it really can be anywhere. So one of my colleagues had several family members in a small village in Pakistan just pass away and said that that has just become a way of life there. So we see it in in many places where people are vulnerable, where they're poor, where they don't have access to care, where there's crowded housing conditions, where there's a lot of myths or disinformation. It can be anywhere. And I think that's actually one of the things that this pandemic has highlighted is that across the world, we're all susceptible. But those of us who have the privilege of access to care, access to treatment, access to oxygen, have a much better chance of coming out okay. So I could name all the countries, Sam, um, and I think we'd be here for a very long time. You know, anywhere there's poverty, even in the U.S., cases continue to occur in, in the most vulnerable regions. What are some of those other vulnerabilities that put other parts of the world and even parts of the U.S. kind of on their back foot when it comes to fighting this pandemic. You mentioned poverty. I would imagine there are other kind of discrete challenges. I think misinformation, mistrust of science, lack of access to healthcare, lack of trust for healthcare systems. Those are things that kind of make people susceptible. I think, you know, vaccines can protect us. And Without access, you know, there, there's very limited protection. And in many places where people are poor, where their next meal depends on them going to work, um, exposure continues because people are working in unsafe conditions and they don't have good choices. Um, so when they're weighing the options of being in a crowded space or taking risks uh, in order to feed their family, they're left with very little in terms of good choices. My understanding is that there are things that the U.S. is doing to help other countries around the world. Uh, I'm thinking about, you know, distributing vaccines as one particular example. Maybe just lay out for me kind of the state of the aid that U.S. is giving to other countries to help them fight this. The things that you think are potentially most impactful. When we think about what the U.S. is doing now, I think it's good and we can do a lot better. You know, the incrementalism is really prolonging the pandemic. And when I say incrementalism, I mean the little bits of aid here, little bits there, you know, giving our excess doses here and there is not enough. We really need kind of much more proactive voluntary collaboration and cooperation at every level of the system and investments in public health infrastructure a sustained commitment to evidence-based practice. We really need to think about the science when we think about what we can do to help the world. And this is not just about diplomacy. This is about looking at the evidence. You know, the U.S. is slated to 
I think, give around a billion doses by the end of this year to help other countries. That's simply not enough when we think about the size of the populations. And in fact, there probably aren't enough vaccines produced right now throughout the world in order to cover the global population. But what we need to do is, is help other countries develop uh, manufacturing capacity, enhance supply chains, set up healthcare systems, and really kind of begin to support the infrastructure that will allow other places to help themselves and to be able to produce the vaccine and supplies they need to take care of their populations. What is your sense as to why the U.S. is not doing more abroad? Can we point to specific reasons? That is a good question. I think, you know, political leaders have a moral obligation to take care of their own people first in many ways. And I think often we don't realize that by helping others, we're helping ourselves. You know, what we have done is great and people are working incredibly hard. And, you know, Biden has made tremendous progress in terms of rolling out vaccinations across the U.S. and, you know, rejoining the World Health Organization and supporting COVAX. But he has the whole country to be accountable to. And I think we as citizens really need to demand that we take care of others as well. It's easy to think that it's us or them when really we're all in this together. And I think convincing the voters uh, that that's the case is hard. And that really makes me think of something the Biden administration has done, a decision they've made which has come into some question. This decision they have made to secure enough vaccine doses for all Americans, including adolescents and, and children younger than that, as opposed to sending some of those vaccine doses abroad. Is that the kind of decision that you're talking about? I think that is a hard decision. I think it's more complicated in many ways than it may seem when you dig into the contracts with drug makers between nations. I, I think it's quite complex. Um, and I think we really have an opportunity to model for the rest of the world what is possible here at home by reaching the goals of 70% by July 4th, by getting our teenagers engaged in vaccination, in protecting those around them through vaccination. And so I think there's a lot of tough decisions here and we can use each of them to kind of learn for what's next. You know, the choice to, to vaccinate 12 to 15 year olds is not one I'm critical of. Um, I just think we need to do more. And it's not necessarily sharing the doses that we have here, but I think the excess doses, not waiting um, and seeing what we can do to support other countries in manufacturing abroad. We also have the opportunity to put pressure on the vaccine manufacturers and who they're signing contracts with and who they are supporting. Um, I think that's another issue that really raises a lot of questions when we look at who they're choosing to sell to and not sell to, because there's a lot of money involved here. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? I'm Sam Whitehead, talking today with Julie Rosenberg of the Global Health Delivery Project at Harvard University. We're discussing the global state of the COVID-19 pandemic. One thing that I have wondered is how people who kind of work in the global public health space think about the best ways to argue to the public that the United States should be helping out more abroad. We've heard a lot over the course of this pandemic about 
what the U.S. has on the line with regards to helping other countries as a way to help ourselves. Should that be the argument that needs to be made? Should the argument just be we should help other countries for the good of all humanity? Yeah, I think equity is not only a moral obligation, but it's really important for efficacy and for cost effectiveness. So there are many, many reasons why we should be helping others, not just because it's a good thing or a right thing to do. I really think that that is what the evidence tells us is the way to get out of this pandemic. We also know that, for example, for every $1 spent on helping others, um, wealthier countries would get back about $4.80 in terms of the avoided economic costs. And research has shown, for example, that vaccine nationalism could cost the global economy up to $1.2 trillion a year. So we have the economic argument. We know what the science shows, that if there's virus circulating anywhere, um, we're all at risk. This vaccine is quite effective. It's incredible. But it's not 100%. So, you know, the longer we let the virus circulate throughout the world, the more variants that develop, um, the more we're all at risk. So I would say equity is important on many fronts, um, not just for moral and ethical reasons. I wonder about those variants because it also seems the more and more that we find out about these vaccines, we're finding out that they are quite effective against variants. So how should one conceive of the real risk of new variants evolving in other parts of the world or even here in this country and completely undoing all of the progress that we've made to bring the pandemic under control? I think one of the challenges we've been up against with this pandemic is that the science is evolving quickly. We're still learning the science. We're still understanding how the virus works. And there's just a lot we don't know. And with uncertainty, I think there is risk. But it's hard to quantify the risk, I think, at this stage. You know, Vietnam, which has been in a pretty good position throughout most of the pandemic, is seeing a huge surge in cases. And they've recently announced it's due to a new variant, um, which has double mutations. And I think that really caught a lot of people off guard. So, you know, it's hard to assess the risk. I think we need a lot more uh, monitoring of the actual viral strains. We need, you know, a lot more understanding of what's happening and kind of testing to really be able to assess the science and the risks. But, you know, I will say that if it circulates long enough, there's bound to be really powerful virus that our, our current vaccines are not going to be able to handle. You know, many of the drug companies are working on boosters, working on kind of updated shots. But, it's something that we need to keep in mind. And again, not everybody is going to be able to get a vaccine due to being immunocompromised or for various other factors. So, you know, as long as there's these pockets of unvaccinated, you know, they're certainly at a high risk, regardless of, of how well the vaccines work against the variant. And it seems, Julie, that maybe one of the big challenges moving forward is keeping people's attention on the challenges that we're still facing here with the vaccine rollout and localized outbreaks here in the U.S., and especially to outbreaks and the vaccine rollout around the world. It seems that as a country, we're not very good at paying attention to things that aren't immediately happening to us, and even sometimes to the things that are. 
I agree, Sam. I think this has been a long road. People are tired. People are ready to get back to normal, to start summer, to be able to move on and forget about it. It's been a traumatizing year, and I think people are talking about healing, and a lot of healing I think people associate with moving on. And so we're kind of getting these competing messages as well from the media from all over that we need to move on. We need to heal. This has been hard on our mental health. And so I think it's hard to find the balance between remembering what's happening elsewhere and um, focusing on, on, you know, restoring ourselves, our lives, um, our families, our relationships, things that have been put on pause for so long. And I think this is probably the same people that have been concerned about the virus, about public health, about what they can do to help their community from the beginning are the ones that are remain the most concerned. And the people that have, you know, had the hardest time believing in the science or the virus or understanding their part in um, protecting public health are probably the same people that are happy to move on now. So there's a lot of different kind of factors impacting how people are thinking and the really mixed messages coming from all over, I think, as factions of our country get back to normal and get vaccinated and others, you know, are really left behind in many ways. So it's hard to feel, I think, for many people, like we're all in this together and we're experiencing the same thing and feel that connection to what's happening Um you know, not just in our country, but but beyond. What is your outlook for the future and how this pandemic, you know, continues to play out around the world and, and what that means for us here? Well, many kind of experts are guessing that it won't be until 2023, 2024, until there's enough vaccine for much of the world. But I'm hopeful that as a public health community, as a global health community, as a global uh, humanity that we can come together and figure out solutions to speed up the timeline, to protect those who are living with, with very little protection, to make sure that the most vulnerable have the same opportunities um, to be protected as those who are able to really thrive and, and given many more opportunities and privileges. So I'm hopeful. I think we have a lot of work to do. Um, I think we have a lot to learn. I think We have a lot to learn about our own response to the pandemic in the U.S. that we can share with others. And we have a lot we can learn from other countries that have um, responded much better. So with every kind of month and event and episode, and we can learn and we can get better. And we're we're certainly learning. It strikes me that you are optimistic because I I feel like we're just as as a country not, not, not good at thinking about things that are not immediately happening to us. You know, we're so focused on our own lives that it's hard to see beyond. But, you know, I think if anything, this has really highlighted the importance of global health, of public health. And I'm hopeful there will be more investments in that area, Um, not just in the U.S., but throughout the world. Because if we don't protect the people working in the markets in Wuhan, if we don't protect those who are working as truckers and crossing borders, we know, I mean, we can say definitively, we are all affected now. And so I'm hopeful that if anything, this pandemic has really highlighted the need to invest in global health security, in um, global health systems, and really to think beyond our borders. 
Julie Rosenberg helps run the Global Health Delivery Project at Harvard University. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app. That's also where you can leave us a rating and a review. That really helps other people find the show. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. mysteries. Are ghosts real? Is that yogurt expired? Hey, the unknown can be scary, but when you donate to WABE, you know where your money is going. Your gift supports the journalism that keeps you informed and the programs that pull back the curtain on complicated stories. Help us make the world less mysterious. Become a member now. Go online to wabe.org donate and thanks.